What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning once again to those of you tuning online this morning. Welcome back Next Level Freedom Church family. Those that are guests who may be tuning with us today, we want to thank you for tuning. I do want to do something I've forgotten to do the last couple of weeks, which is introduce myself. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri, and I am so glad that you tuned online this morning, especially since right now this is the only option we have for service. But I want to invite you, whenever we open our doors again at the Civic Center, that you will come and be a part of what God is doing right here in Jackson, Missouri, because I promise you God is wanting to change your life. And not only will He change yours, but He'll change your entire family as you move forward in the purpose that God has for your life. This morning we're beginning a brand new series, as you just saw in the video, called The Difference. And what we're going to be talking about over the next few messages, because we're going to do one Friday, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, or I'm sure you heard in our announcements. Friday we're going to be doing a Good Friday service, and I want to encourage you right now to tune if you're tuning online, because we're going to have prayer time over our country, over those listening. We're going to have worship. It's going to be geared more towards worship. And then I'm going to do part two of this series, and we're going to talk about the crucifixion and the death and what all this means as it pertains to next Sunday when we talk about the resurrection. But today, I'm beginning this series called The Difference. And what it basically keys in on is that the resurrection makes all of the difference. Jesus, because he had died, yes, he died, but it's because he rose again that we have an opportunity at eternal life because he conquered death, which is one of the final enemies besides Satan himself who get chained away that is taking lives, but he conquered death in order to give us a chance at life. And so we're going to be keying in on the difference. What does the difference, what difference does it all make anyway? Now today we're going to start in an unusual spot, which really God's been giving me these passages for a few weeks now. God's been sending these scriptures into my mind to talk about, so I couldn't wait to get started on it. But the topic and title of today's message is, Help My Unbelief. And those of you who are familiar with your Bible are going to know that we're speaking of the story of when the man approaches Jesus and he says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. We're going to talk more about that today. Today I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation a lot, and we're going to also be reading from the Living Bible this morning. So it's going to be a little bit different than what we usually do, but I believe that the way it is worded in these translations is gearing directly at what God is trying to accomplish in this particular series, at least in today's message. We're going to be in Mark chapter 9. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, hold your finger there, because first... We're going to read our key passage for the entire series. For those of you who are familiar with our church, we always have a key scripture that kind of 
goes over the whole series and sums it all up. But here it is in John chapter 16, and it's verses 32 to 33, and this is once again from the Passion Translation. It says this, And the time has come when you will all be scattered, and each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. Verse 33 says, And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. And you can kind of see with these passages what we're going to be getting at over the next couple of messages. But... Also, it kind of spoke to me as I read this passage, at least in this translation, some of the other ones I looked at, but I landed with this one. The fact that we are in a position right now with this whole COVID-19 or coronavirus, whatever you want to call, where we're all separated, we're all in our homes, we all feel like we're on lockdown. And it just was impressed upon my spirit as I began to pray, prepare for this series that God was saying there are so many people out there wondering why. They're having doubts. They're questioning. If God's so good, why? 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 And once again, as we always reflect back to, let me remind you, of who, whose kingdom you're in at the moment. And that's Satan. This world is run by him at the moment. Jesus is coming back to rule. But that's yet to come. But what he said, though, is that we'd all be scattered. He was talking to his disciples here. He was talking about the fact that one, the night he was arrested, that they would be scattered and all go separate ways. And, you know, we, of course, we know Peter followed because he wanted to see what was going to happen to Jesus. But they all left, yet he said, I am never alone, because my Father is always with me. And he also said, he taught you all these things that he's taught you. So, now check out verse 33, I'm going to read it again, and then we're going to get into today's text. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me, talking about the peace of God, Yehovah Shalom, God of peace, the Lord God of peace, the one who brings us peace, will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. He's saying it's not going to be a perfect life. It's not a bed of roses. Now, one thing that came to my mind as I heard a speaker say that years ago is, well, roses have thorns, so if you're laying on a bed of roses, you're still going to get pricked unless you've pulled the thorns out. But you're going to face trouble. You're going to face sorrows, Jesus says. But he says, you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. He's telling us that he has already conquered everything we see here. He has conquered it. So have faith. Be of good cheer. Some translations say, for I have overcome the world. He is the that and he has left it and that is the point of the whole resurrection and him coming to show us who God is because in the Old Testament as we look at God we see a God who seems to kill people when they make mistakes but what Jesus did was explain to us in the New Testament he came to the flesh God came to the flesh so that we could actually see how much God loves us and the type of person he actually is Jesus shows us that so Jesus has given us a deeper understanding of who God is. Mark chapter 9, though, as we're going to read our key passage this morning. We'll talk more about that verse, I'm sure, over this series. 
We're going to start in verse 14. Here's what it says. And this is once again from the Passion Translation. It says, Now when they came down the mountain to the other nine disciples, they noticed a large crowd of people gathered around them, with the religious scholars arguing with them. And the crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking toward them. So they immediately ran to welcome him. Point number one, and it's been a while I realized since I've preached in point format, but point number one this morning is that people love Jesus, not religion. See, I think we've come to a point in today's church where we can make it a lot about religious tradition. We can get so caught up and how things should be, and the way they're organized, and the way they're ran, that we miss just Jesus sometimes. Sometimes, and I believe, and I've spoken to other people this week, a pastor, my sister, some other people that I've talked to this week, saying we, they believe that this has been God showing them through this time, since they're on lockdown in their homes, that He's showing them what they're missing in basics, because now they've got no choice. They're at home with their families. They're spending time with their families. They're realizing, you know what, my relationship with God's not where it should be. And God is opening their eyes to these things. But what I want you to understand is people love Jesus. What they don't love is the way the church has packaged him over the years and put him in a box and said, well, this is all the Jesus you can have. This is what he looks like. No, no, no. Jesus had compassion over all people. He loved all people. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 23. Here's what it says. This is Paul talking. This is coming from the Living Bible because I like the way it's worded. This is how we should be reacting when people. This is why people love Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 23. When I am in or when I am with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all and don't say they are foolish. Too many Christians are caught up in that. Instead of helping people get to where they need to be, we're caught up in religious mojo or religious garbage that is pulling people down instead of lifting them up. We're too busy telling them what they're doing wrong and how they're sinning and we're not loving them back to Jesus like we're supposed to do. Paul goes on here. I'll talk more about it in a second. He started again, when I am with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all. I don't say they are foolish. The result is that they are willing to let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Verse 23 says, I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. Paul's saying it is you can't approach people talking down to them. You've got to reach them on their level, where they're at right now. Yes, their lives are messed up, but let me just break it into you. Some of you Christians out there listening to me, they already know their lives are messed up. They already know they're sinning. They don't need you to constantly remind them about their sin. What they need you to do is tell them about the Jesus who loved them so much that he gave his life so that they might live. This morning as we opened our story, we noticed here that the crowd, and it says, gathered around, they're arguing with the religious scholars. And we're going to find out why in a minute. There's a boy possessed. We're going to get to that here in just a minute. 
but they're too busy arguing over religious stuff when these religious leaders ought to be reaching the people our vision statement at Next Level Freedom Church, they ought to be reaching the people exactly where they're at. Not talking down to them. Telling them what they've done wrong. I mean, and it doesn't really say in the context of the scripture here, so I'm just going to throw an idea out there for you. Maybe the argument is related to the fact that in this day, religious leaders, people, looked at as if you had something wrong with you, whether it was a health issue or other things, that you must have done something really wrong that offended God and God is mad at you and that's why you're struggling with what you're struggling with. We see that in today's church. It's nothing new. People being talking down to other people. When God's saying, no, I love them because if you, unless you've forgotten Christians, there was a point when you were like them and you were living just like them and God said, I love you enough that I will send my one and only son to die so that you could have life. People love Jesus, they hate religion. They don't like religion. Because I'm telling you, it's not about religion. We've come, in our society, we've gotten so caught up in religious tradition and how things should be carried out that we're missing out on opportunities to minister or serve people the way Jesus served people. Let's continue reading there. Mark 9, chapter, verse, chapter 9, verse 16. Here's what it says. What are you arguing about with the religious scholars? This is the people have approached Jesus because they saw him coming. So notice they left the religious leaders and they took off to Jesus. Because Jesus relates to people on their level. Now they've come to Jesus, and this is Jesus talking in verse 16. He says, what are you arguing about with the religious scholars? He asked them. Verse 17 says, A man spoke up out of the crowd. Here we go. Here's what we find out what the argument was all about. Teacher, he said, I have a son possessed by a demon, and that makes him mute. Or a demon that makes him mute. I brought him here to you, Jesus. Verse 18 says, Whenever the demon takes control of him, it knocks him down, and he foams at the mouth, and he gnashes his teeth, and his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples, hoping they could deliver him, but they were not strong enough. Point number two this morning, if you're taking notes. Religion keeps people from the truth. Let me say that again. Religion keeps people from the truth. When you actually begin looking at the definition of religion, it means you're doing something religiously, or you're doing something over and over. Whether it's working or not, you do it religiously. We wash our clothes. Hopefully you wash your clothes. We throw them in the laundry. We wash our clothes. It becomes a religious thing. We, we, we wash our clothes. we got to have clean clothes. We brush our teeth in the morning. That becomes a religious thing. We're brushing our teeth. It's something we do on a regular basis. So at least a tradition. But religion keeps people from the truth. Religion will pull you down. We'll say you have to follow this law, you have to do this thing, you have to do this stuff to, in order to find Jesus when Jesus tells us to come as you are. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. once again from the Living Bible, but this word the same in several translations. For many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? Well, when he said that verse, he was talking to his disciples. There are so many people that get called. 
few are chosen because so many people are missing what's really out there for them. They're caught up in religion rather than relationship. They're called. God calls them. He wants everybody to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Some are going to reject him. Some are going to walk away. Some may at least go through the motions and receive him at first and then they walk away. But the reason few are chosen is because there are few that are dedicated to the cause of helping others build a relationship with God. So remember, religion keeps people from the truth. Don't get so caught up. And I think a lot of that happens in today's society. We go get so caught up in religious tradition that we miss out on opportunities to witness to other people, which is what we're called to do. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore to all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you don't know what else your call is, you don't know where to start. First off, the Bible tells you to go. That was your first call, is to go. Once you've become a disciple of Christ, once you have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's time to tell other people about what God has done for you. Let's continue reading there in verse 9. Because what's, So basically, let me sum up really quick, verse 18. This father comes to Jesus. He brought his boy to Jesus thinking he'd get healing. Well, then he couldn't find Jesus because this takes place right after the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus, Peter, James, and John were all up on the mountain. They're down here with the other disciples, and the people come. They say, okay, well, I can't find Jesus, but here's his disciples, so surely they can do something about it. Not realizing there is more to faith than just having a title as a disciple. You've got to be prayed up. And you're going to find out in a minute. Jesus says, this type can only come out by prayer and fasting. We'll talk about that more in a minute. So he brings the boy to Jesus. When everybody sees Jesus, they run to Jesus because his disciples couldn't do anything about it. For whatever reason, their faith wasn't where it was supposed to be. It's more about going through the motions. More, I'm a title. I, I'm, I'm one of the disciples of Jesus, right? It's not necessarily just that, but we'll talk more about it here in a second. Let's continue reading in Mark chapter 9, verse 19 to 22. Here's what Jesus had to say as he speaks to the crowd. Jesus said to the crowd, Why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Now bring the boy to me. Verse 20 says, So they brought to or so they brought him to Jesus. As soon as the demon saw him, recognizing who Jesus was, check it out. As soon as the demon saw him, it threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Wow. How many religious people do you think at this point would have stopped and said, Hey, that's too much for me. And walked away. No, that's not what Jesus did. Check out what Jesus does. Verse 21. Jesus turned to the father and asked, or turn to the father, talking about the boy's father, not the heavenly father, the boy's father, and ask, how long has your son been tormented like this? Since childhood, he replied. It tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into a fire or water. But please, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. 
Point number three this morning is Jesus came to set the record straight. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about faith. It's about you constantly building on that relationship. As the people I've spoken to this week came to me and say, Hey, Pastor, I, I, I found out that I don't have the relationship with God that I should have. I'm not doing what I should do. This staying at home has given me an opportunity to get focused back on what's important in life. Family, God, time. And spending that time. But Jesus came to set the record straight. So here's what happened. Jesus says, how long do I got to put up with your faithlessness, your unbelief? Bring the boy to me. He says, bring him. You notice, remember when I stopped there for a second and talked about when the demon saw it was Jesus, he fell. He had the boy doing crazy stuff. Foaming at the mouth, convulsions, all that on the ground. Jesus is still standing there. And he doesn't freak out and say, oh, that's too much. I'm out of here. Jesus says, how long has he been like this? And that's when the, guy, the father says, since childhood. So Jesus comes to set the record straight. It's not about religion. It's not about going through all the motions. It's about relationship. It's about faith. It's about building that faith with God the Father. Jesus came to set the record straight. 1 Peter 2, 5-6 tells us how we should be. Here's how Christians should be. And now you have become living, building stones for God's use in building his house. What's more, you are his holy priests. So come to him, you who are acceptable to him because of Jesus Christ, and offer to God those things that please him. As the scriptures express it, see, I am sending Christ to, I am sending Christ to be the carefully chosen, precious cornerstone of my church. And I will never disappoint those who trust in him. This father had nowhere else to turn. Matter of fact, we're going to find out in a second. He had his doubts. Is this really going to happen? We're going to talk about that more in just a second. But what this says is we're to be becoming living stones. Now, my mentor told me years ago that there is a... There is more, and there's a deeper meaning, and as I researched it, it took lots of research to find what he was talking about, because I actually did a study on this for a college project years ago. When the Bible talks about becoming a living stone, in the, back in the day, back in this culture, a living stone was a stone that could be used by the men to build foundations and buildings. The ones, they called the ones that they couldn't use dead stones, and they threw them to the side. So there was a deeper meaning behind that. When you look at the context in that culture, a living stone, that doesn't just mean that you're part of this spiritual church that God has built up and is building up over the years, creating and building, and Jesus is the chief cornerstone. There was a deeper look at that. We're not going to go there today. But what you need to understand is what Peter is saying to us isn't just that you need to be building the body, but he's saying you need to be usable. You need to be a stone that God can use to build his church. You need to be a stone that focuses on the cornerstone, which is Jesus, which is the key foundation stone. If you study the cornerstone out, it is where a lot of the pressure that holds the building up are the cornerstones. And Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He's the foundation that we're all built upon. We're to be living stones or usable stones. We've got to be willing to let the Spirit of God guide us so that we can reach a generation for Jesus Christ. So Peter's telling us not only to build the church spiritually, but he's saying, make yourself usable. 
Don't become a dead stone. Be a living stone. One that God can use to build His church. And when you get caught up in religious nonsense, you can't be the living stone that God needs you to be. Mark 9, continuing there in verse 23, says this. Jesus said to him, What do you mean, if? If you are able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. When he heard this, verse 24, check it out, where I got the title of today's message. When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears, saying, I do believe, Lord, help my little faith, is what the Passion Translation says there. Other translations say, I do believe, help my unbelief. This man saying, I do believe Jesus. But in the back of my mind, among everything else, the things I've seen, your disciples fail, all this stuff going on, this has been happening for years. In the back of my mind, there is still that doubt. Help my unbelief, Jesus. Help my little faith that I have. Strengthen that faith. Because point number four this morning is that our faith makes the difference. Do you have faith believing God can deliver you? from whatever trials you're going through. In a time like this, we look around at this crazy world. People are going nuts. They're going crazy, thinking, what are they going to do for food? What are they going to do for this? We're afraid we're going to catch something. We're out there, and there's wisdom in staying clear of people, like the government is trying to get us to do. But at the same time, think about those that don't have the hope you have if you're a believer. If you're a non-believer this morning, where does your hope lie in situations like this? You look around at a world filled with chaos, things going on, and you start to question, if you don't have hope in God, where is your hope? Times like these will put that hope to the test. Christians, if you're true believers, you have a hope in God. It's time for us, whether we're online or meeting in person, it doesn't matter. God is there. Friday night, we're going to have a good Friday service online. We're going to do some prayer. We're going to do some worship. Things are going to be happening, and I promise you God's going to be there, and he'll deliver you where you're at because God's been calling me to do this. But at the same time, you've got to understand, you've got to have faith. Even in the midst of all that's going on around you, this man had all these reasons to doubt. Once again, the disciples couldn't do anything about it. This has been happening for years. And his son's been struggling with this. And Jesus says, if you believe. The man says, I do believe. Many Christians are there. They do believe. Help them, Lord, with their unbelief. Because in the back of their mind, we've all struggled with it. It's nothing new. I've even struggled with it. Other pastors have struggled with it. If they tell you they haven't, they're lying to you. There comes a point when you question. And you have to say, God, help my unbelief. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7, here's what it tells us. This is the passion here, translation. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual God, in, or the spiritual gift, sorry, God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you, as Paul talking to Timothy here. Verse 7 says, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, 
and self-control. Some of you have heard that spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, or self-control. That's what the Passion says there. God doesn't give you a spirit of fear. He gives you uh, the Holy Spirit if you're born again. If you're not born again, then we need to get that settled first. We're going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. He gives you that opportunity to have that power. And as a believer, we need to believe in the opportunities that come our way. Let's go ahead and wrap up our stories. We need to come to a close here in just the next few minutes. But it says in Mark 9, 25 to 29, it says, Now when Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly growing larger, he commanded the demons, saying, Deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. Check out 26. And I've heard stories. I've seen this type of thing happen in real life. Verse 26 says, The demons shrieked, threw the boy into terrible seizures, and finally come out of him. As the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everyone thought he was dead. Verse 20 says, 27 says, But Jesus stooped down, gently took his hand, and raised him up to his feet. And he stood there completely set free. Afterwards, when Jesus arrived at the house, his disciples asked him in private, Why couldn't we cast out the demon? And he answered them, This type of power... Powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. Point number five this morning is that Jesus' power works through the believer. The believers are the ones God has placed here to exercise that power he has left with us that when we call upon the name of Jesus, things happen. So remember, it's not you, it's Jesus who lives inside of you that has, gives you the power to do the things like this. But Jesus said this type of thing can only come out from fasting and prayer. Fasting? Are you kidding me? You mean i got to miss a meal? Sometimes. Sometimes you're just fasting other things, social media, different things. But you've got to be willing to fast the things that hold you back. John 14, 12 to 13, and we're going to wrap up. Once again from the Passion Translation this morning. He says, I tell you this timeless truth. This is Jesus again. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. Verse 13 says, For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to Him. Now what's Jesus saying there? He's not saying, you beg me for a new car. If you call it out of my name, there it is. No, that's not what He's getting at. Jesus is talking about, He's the timeless truth, that there's going to be times, there's going to be places, there's going to be things happen that as long as you're calling upon His name, He's going to see you through. He is going to give you what you ask for. Now you've got to understand the difference between a want and a need. God's not saying you just keep asking in Jesus' name to be a millionaire and you're going to be a millionaire. No, no, that's not what He's saying at all. But what He's saying is once you have shift as a Christian, when you become a true believer, believer sorry, your priorities change. No longer are you after the American dream, fast cars, money, women, all that stuff. You're now seeking a Savior. 
So your priorities change. And then, whatever you ask in Jesus' name, he'll bring to pass. So we've got to understand the context there. A lot of people take these type of verses and want to take them way out of proportion. Let me just say, and this is how my old professor in college taught it to us, is he just said, God is not your personal vending machine. You walk up to him, you pull the handle, and everything falls out, and there you have it. There you are. You're, you're rich. you got a big fancy car, whatever it is. No, because the text of the scriptures is telling us when your priorities change, you change your mind, your focus changes, then what you call on, Jesus for, will come to pass. I want to thank you if you've been tuning online this morning. That's where we're going to stop today. We're going to wrap up today's message. We're going to continue this series Friday when we do our Good Friday service. So I want to encourage you, if you're out there and you're at home like most of us are, Friday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to premiere on our YouTube channel and on our uh, homepage of the website. We're going to be premiering a, a service our Good Friday service. This is the first Good Friday service we've had at Next Level Freedom Church. The online capability gives us the ability to do so. We're going to have a time of worship. We're going to have a time of prayer. It's going to be a little bit different than what you're seeing on Sunday mornings. But I believe God is wanting to move through people. And I believe God is wanting to see some changes come to pass. And we're going to see those type of things happen come Friday night. So I hope you're there Friday. Not that God can't deliver you where you're at right now. That's not why I say that. But today, if you're sitting out there looking at me and you're one of those that's lost, you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you this morning. That's where your journey starts. Everything, I, everything else I said today can happen for you. But your, your journey needs to start with a relationship with God. That's what Jesus had that was different than most of these people. He had that relationship with His Father. The way you get that relationship is simple. You ask. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And it doesn't even take all those words. But here's what I want to do before I let you go today. I want to give you a tool. Go to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. On the main page, go up to the upper left corner, click on the menu button. All the way to the right side, click on the link that says the road to new life takes you to a separate website I created in college that will walk you through why the process of salvation is necessary, what's your next steps, what do we need to do to receive Christ, and a prayer similar to the one I just said will be on there. But what I want you to understand is this is not really about the words of the prayer. The Bible tells us if you believe Jesus came and died and rose again, you shall be saved. That's what James tells us. Peter talks about this thing called repenting when he gives his first big sermon in Acts. He says, repent. So what repenting is, is basically you make a 180 with your life. So you were heading in this direction, and you found out that it wasn't quite working out your way. So you make a 180 and start heading God's direction for your life. And then you'll begin to notice things happening, changes happening. Even in the midst of a crisis like the one we're facing now, God is there. He is Yehovah Shammah, the Lord God who is there. 
and He is still there. He is still Yehovah Rapha, our healer. He is still there to heal us. He is still Yehovah Yira, our provider, the one that provides for us. He is all of those things and more. God is there and He wants to see you through this crisis. Once you get to the bottom of that page, there's a contact form. That comes directly to my email and trentoncruz at yahoo.com and it will come straight to me. I want to know if you received Christ this morning. I want to know about it. I want to celebrate with you. And I want to. Then you need to find yourself a church home. Whether it's our church home or another church home. As long as it's a good church that can disciple you. You need to find a church home and you need to be baptized. The way Christ was baptized. So, and later on this year we usually have our baptism service at the end of August. Assuming all this is blown over by then, we'll be still be doing one this year. For anyone that wants to be baptized, you can sign up at the church when we get opened up again. Now, I want to thank you for tuning online this morning. Friday night, we're going to continue this series, The Deliverance. And we're going to be talking about the crucifixion. We're going to look at a deeper meaning behind that crucifixion. And we're going to pray with you and your family. So I hope you'll tune in Friday night for our service at 7 o'clock. That gives you time if you're still working. Hopefully get home, get cleaned up, and be there, ready to go. So it probably last 45 minutes to the hour, about like what we're doing right now. So thank you for tuning in if you're tuning in online. God bless, and I'll see you Friday night.